0: What's up, everybody? Armand here, back with another episode. Today's guest, we have Tom Garrity of the Garrity Group. Now, after an Emmy Award-winning career in the news, Tom started a public relations firm to help people tell their stories. We go over how entrepreneurs can create their own PR and marketing strategies that are bootstrapped. We talk about how Tom accidentally started a running group by dedicating his runs to a friend battling cancer and... Tom likes to garden and has a plant that smells like chocolate. Never heard of this, but I want to get one too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Hard Podcast.
1: Work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Work hard,
0: play hard. Work hard, play hard. Alright, without further ado, Tom, let's let's get started. How's it going today? How you doing?
1: pretty good you know it's never a dull moment it seems
0: <laughs> yeah and you have is it you have a, a tv show that or like a news show you're recording after this
1: yeah uh so you're i don't like to look at this
0: as the warm-up act because no I, it's a, this it's has a been fantastic yeah. you know uh, you look great, great right know. now by the way you got the bow tie going It look like you're ready for the big screen <laughs> i i am i'm am the
1: bow tie guy and uh you <laughs> know i have uh 10 years experience in the news media. And when I moved over into public relations, uh, I was like, okay, I'm done with television as far as being in front <laughs> of the camera. And then about 15 years ago, seven, fifteen or seventeen years ago, uh, some friends of mine in the news business said, Hey, you know, we'd like to get you on to talk about. Um, you know, politics. And I'm like going, oh boy, that's going to be fun. And uh, so uh, I am the middle of the ro- I've been for the last 15, 17 years, uh, the middle of the road guy, because I think that in the middle is where you can have conversation. And I love conversation. So that's what's coming up on New Mexico PBS at uh, the top of the hour. and It'll air this weekend, which of course, uh, people can always go check out newmexicopbs.com yeah. to check out all that good stuff.
0: That's I really like what you said, the the middle of the road, guys, where the conversation happens. That is very true. Sometimes when you go too far to one side, it's uh it's hard to have some sort of discourse just because you're very stuck or not stuck, but like set in your ways. Mm-hmm. And uh my thing's always been like I do have my set of opinions, but at the same time I I do my best. Obviously, I'm I still got some work to do, but to keep an open mind and to at least hear what other people have to say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's one of those things that, you know, for various reasons, it it causes stress and, you know, sharing what we're about and shouldn't do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, anyway, it, true. it's a fun deal. And and I am thrilled to be here today with you just to kind of chat. And uh, I, I've listened to a number of your episodes and uh, really am impressed and very honored Thank to you. be on here with you today.
0: Well, I for someone that's that's been experienced in the talking game, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, you bet. Oh, to- yeah, totally. All right, now um, for the quick intro. This is for the listeners. Tom Garrity, the founder of the Garrity Group, which is a public relations firm that started back in uh, nineteen ninety seven. Was it? Yeah, twenty five okay. years ago. That was the year I was born. <laughs> you know. That's the same thing a lot of my employees tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and your career, so you've been in the media for quite some time. I saw you even have like pretty decorated. You have an Emmy award in the news space. How did that come to be?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, 10 years in the news media, uh, you know, I had a chance to work in a variety of different markets. And uh, one of those the last market was here in Albuquerque. And I mm. uh, had a chance to get uh, three nominations and then one wow. Emmy uh, for coverage of a documentary I put together called Balloon Fiesta Behind the Scenes. And, uh, you know, now fast forward to many years later, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with the Balloon Fiesta, which is the largest balloon event in the world. Uh, gosh, it's like for- hot air
0: balloons or? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, it is. so hot- cool. Oh, it is fantastic. You know, Albuquerque is a great place to fly balloons because... Uh, you know, of the Sandia mountains, uh, which are just right out my window here. And then the Rio Grande and you get this kind Mm -hmm. of phenomenon called the box. And so balloons can literally, you know, take off, go north and then go down to lower altitude, go south. And so they literally fly in
0: a box pattern,
1: which is great for the pilots, but also for the spectators, because we get to just kind of look
0: up and they kind of circulate all over. Now I have a balloon related question. Okay. Um, I am located in San Diego and we have a ton of hot air balloons around here. Is it what what makes it so good for hot air balloons in San Diego? Do we have like a box like thing in the air or how how come?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh Temecula has really been doing a great job of promoting ballooning on the other side of the mountain, but it's uh it is just uh I, I don't know specifically about San Diego itself, but uh, you know, balloon pilots like two things. Uh, they like uh, very low, slow winds, and they like plenty of landing spaces. And um, so, you know, usually you get those two combinations. You will have a ton of balloonists
0: yeah. coming around, and not too much random weather happening over here. We don't get we don't get surprise rainstorms or anything like that. So, I think that's a, another added benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. The the way I don't know. I I used to do weather back in the day,
1: uh, you know, when I was in news media. And I always thought, what would it be like to do weather in San Diego? Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And today it's the same as the past month, 68. (laughs) So, what inspired you to start uh, the Garrity Group?
1: You know, um, I, you know, as I had mentioned, I was in the news media and, uh, you know, I was uh, at the time. Uh, you know, my first daughter was about to be born and I was thinking, you know, I like news media, but I want uh, something that is a little bit more conducive to, you know, being available to my, what, what is now my two daughters. And so I just decided, you know, it's time to get into public relations because it seems like a natural segue, uh, you know, cause I was always working with reporters and, uh, now, you know, uh, you know, I still work with reporters, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so I was just decided it was a it was a lifestyle decision. And so I got out and I went to go work with the Albuquerque Convention and Visitors Bureau as their head of communications. And just uh, all of a sudden, it really kind of felt like it was the the good, right fit for m- the next step in life that really hasn't moved much you know, over those many years and stuff. So I just, you know, I love telling and helping people to tell their story. And, uh, you know, and so that's really kind of, you know, the, the couple of things, you know, being available, you know, to help, uh, you know, raise my two daughters and then yeah. also just to do stuff that I love in, in storytelling, uh, yeah. cause it was something I did in news media for a number of years. And now, uh, you know, for different types of very fun clients, uh, over a 25 year period.
0: What, what, uh, defines a fun client for you?
1: <laughs> ones that pay, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> fun <laughs> that, fun for your wallet first. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a friend of mine told me once there's three types of clients. You know, there are uh, clients, clients who pay and then clients that you can derive a profit from. And uh, you know, it seems as if early on, it's uh, you're more focused on just clients. And yeah. uh so but the, you know, the fun clients are those that, you know, I can I really feel like I'm helping. And uh you know, the Roswell UFO encounter uh you know is was one of our first clients.
0: I saw and, that was uh, someone you guys were I that's actually something I wanted to ask is what was it like working with um like a UFO encounter group?
1: It was it was it was cool. It was a little weird. Uh but it was <laughs> it was re- it was very eye-opening. Uh you know a friend of mine who was the Secretary of Tourism uh, you know, gave me a call and he says, hey, we've got this thing down in Roswell and it's the 50th anniversary and uh, and the local group there really needs some support. So can I put you on contract to go help them? And so I said, okay. I said, do I have to believe in UFOs? And he says, no, no, not at all. You just have to help the media. And uh, so we went down there and uh, just literally had uh, gosh, let me see. We hosted about 200 different media. Of course, there aren't enough hotel rooms down yeah. there, and so we were making p- room for them in the, you know, local senior centers and you know hotels, you know, in other cities, you know, about 25, 30 miles away. And uh, but we were hosting these news briefings, uh, one right after the other. People who had been abducted, uh, who had been, uh, you know, seen UFOs, and even those who uh, had some recollection of the very first. Uh, of the event that started it all at that time. It was uh, 25
0: years ago. And so, okay, something for my own personal curiosity, I've always wondered. So on, what is it, like the History Channel, Discovery Channel, I, would, I, I, I liked watching those UFO shows and they were entertaining. And I would always wonder how much of this is like for the TV entertainment purpose and how much is it like the people on it are fully convinced, like abducted, they see UFO. Like what is is there and is any of it like I don't know. I just always wondered how much of it is real versus like for TV.
1: Yeah. Um I can tell you that, you know, the different folks that I've had a chance to meet over the years, uh, more importantly, about 25 years ago, um, are they are firm believers. Uh, they believe that they have seen something, experienced something. And uh so for me as a communicator, I just help them to tell that story. And uh, but uh, you know, I, you know, for them, it's their part of their passion. It's their story, um, for others, you know, how we all receive it as far as educational yeah. entertainment, uh, you know, uh, what's really out there, I think is what the larger conversation always, and, you know, it's wherever where all those conversations land is, are we alone? Um, is there something more to this life than what we have here on earth? And, uh, you know, and it starts that kind of conversation. So, you know, it's some people see it as odd, others just embrace it. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's just something that is really kind of cool and unique that, uh, is fun to have in our, you know, kind yeah. of client portfolio that we've, we actually had a chance to help brand them for, uh, from 1997, uh, gosh, through 2000, uh, 2001. And wow. it was just a, a
0: great, great time. And it, so it feels like all uh, what, your main goal and what you want to do is to help people tell their stories. You're a storyteller by nature. And mm-hmm. it was, was it at first you were the storyteller and now in public relations, you are helping enable people to tell the story? Or like, how does it work? The difference between being in the news and being in public relations?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, gosh, my my friends in the news industry, please don't email me and get on me for this. Uh, I don't but think there's I have great... many
0: news people listening to this. Don't worry. Well, they will after I get done telling them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that segment is going to pop up. But no, you know, the when you take a look at you know there's a saying that the new york times is the first draft of history or that reporters create that first draft of history and um and that is definitely they definitely do because whatever goes into the you know newspaper or the television is literally how something that narrative is established and what i like about uh you know being in the public relations side doing a lot of stuff in the issue management and crisis communications arena is is that we help to frame an aspect of that narrative, uh, before they go out and talk to the public. Okay. Uh, And, uh, yeah, just, it's really interesting when you look at, you know, not to kind of drill down, but there are four different audiences in a crisis and you have, um, you have the victims, you have employees and you have customers and then you have the media And the level of compassion that you show to the victims will really determine how quickly you're able to, uh, you know, weather that particular storm, so to speak. And so, what what I what I think part of that storytelling is is helping people to think, uh, you know, how to explain or how to share some information in a time of crisis, Uh, and more importantly, to refocus them on, you know, empathy on compassion uh, and just understanding that, you know, there's, there are uh, people who may have been impacted as a result of something. uh, And you really need to put others concerns ahead of yours. And so that's really the aspect that I think I bring to the table as far as working in those high stress scenarios to, you know, help people to tell
0: their story. Interesting. And I'm guessing like in time of crisis, it's, Handling that takes a lot of trial and error, but you can't have too much error because then you don't really get another try
1: yeah, oh, absolutely yeah you get you get one shot and uh and so that's where you really need to you know we' I need to check my pride at the you know mm. because i I have some ideas, but you know what they're they might not be the right ideas, but it's, yeah, they're ideas that will spark a conversation that will get us to where we need to be. Okay. Uh, it always kind of concerns me when I'm in a meeting and somebody says, oh, well, here's what we need to do. One, two, three. And sometimes that works. But other times it's like, you know, it's the totally wrong you know approach, uh, you know, for a situation. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, I I just I have two ears. so I'm just going to listen more than I'm going to talk. Yeah. In those situations and and then develop uh, an approach
0: that works best. I've noticed that when structuring this podcast, actually, when you go into it with, uh, I have these set of questions that I have to get through, and then we're going to, like, whatever's left out. That's when I realized the episodes were much longer and not as, like, free-flowing versus now. I I have, like, more of, instead of saying one, two, three questions, I have, like, we're going to expand on these topics, and wherever the conversation takes us is where it goes. And I, like, it's even helped me have tons more fun doing this, so... Yeah, I, I can I can see how some, but again, it has its time and its place. Sometimes you do want structured conversation.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. To bring it back to the Garrity Group, so you started this for to spend more time with your daughters, ultimately, and be be more at home with the family. How did that end up turning out?
1: Turned out great. You know, I have uh, two fantastic daughters. One is a police officer. The other's in medical school, and uh, we just. Uh, connected uh, earlier uh, in the week for a dinner, and so it was. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's really fun to see them succeed, and uh, yeah. So I think it. I think it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Nice. And it, and and they both have jobs that are very much in service of others, and for the people. Like I'm sure they were raised well, Tom.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it, it's good. It's good. I'm proud. Of them.
0: <laughs> that's good. I guess that's that's all you can hope for is be proud of your kids.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah, and um, but uh, I wouldn't know. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm still you're not. Yeah, no, (laughs) a lot of fun. I'm waiting. I'm sure. (laughs) Not not for me at this age. Okay, this is something also that I'm really curious of. Is so for a PR perspective, what kind of tips do you have for entrepreneurs who are trying to? to like boost their public image or have better public relations, but they're still bootstrapping. Like they don't have too much of a budget. What are things that they can kind of like grassroots do to improve their image?
1: Yeah. Uh, great question. And uh, we'll, we will work with a variety of different types of startups at times and some are funded, some are not. Uh, and, uh, and I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I love to you know create concepts for companies. Some launch, some don't. Uh, and, uh, but when we're when I'm approached and somebody says, "Hey, how can I help? You know, build awareness about my, um, you know, company." I'll ask them, and and they'll say, "How can I get an article in the you know XYZ publication or on such such podcast, you know, uh, podcast or a blog?" And I'll say, "Well, hold on, you know, who's your target audience?" And that's really what it comes down to, because you know you can get all the great publicity in the world, yeah, but if you're if you're not hitting your target then it's just like for vanity. And so I encourage them to sit down and look at who's your, you know, there's the core, the community and the crowd. And so who is your core audience? Uh, Who are your customers? Uh, And so we literally will talk through that and we'll say, okay, how do your customers, you know, really uh, get their news and information? Uh, And then, you know, we have some research that uh, we started about uh, 10 years ago um which I can talk about here in just a minute but we'll you know we look at that core target audience and then we expand it out you know it's kind of like dropping that pebble in the in the pond you know you have all those ripples and so the core crowd and community and so you know as that crowd you know is that target then you go into uh you know the core and then the crowd with you know who are the folks that they influence and then the community is Uh really that larger media message and stuff so i would say you know a news release tactic is good um you know having you know the marketing elements you know if you're a b2c uh kind of uh operation then you definitely need to have a lot of those customer facing elements like a newsletter you know have have something on your website have a website uh you know so there's literally a checklist of items to go through uh you know use the free mailchimp account uh, you know, you, you know, have a simple web page where people can enter their email address, make sure that there's good original photography that you own, because sometimes I see that oh. on websites, you have folks who are using um you know, just this canned image stuff.
0: um, Like the stock image watermark on the bottom corner.
1: (laughs) And then all of a sudden they get into, you know, taking, lifting a picture from a website where they shouldn't be lifting a picture. from, and They they get a call from an attorney and it's like, no, just use your own photography because it's uh, you know, you own it and it's, you know, it uh, shows the product through your eyes and it, which creates more authenticity. So yeah, and you know,
0: on the authenticity sake, it's a lot easier to have photos that match your vision when you take the photos or when they're your photos versus trying to find something that fits in. You can create it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You can always Photoshop or find somebody who can Photoshop.
0: Yeah. Um Fiverr is uh, a beautiful place. What is? Fiverr.
1: Oh, Fiverr. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fiverr is good. Um Canva is also another, uh, you know, good source as far as you know, really kind of, ex- you know, using those those tools to help your stuff look better, yeah, and stuff. So, um, so you know, we we just will sit down and you know, oftentimes you know they'll want to shoot for the stars, but they're you know forgetting about the customers that are right in front of them, and so we'll just usually help them to understand a little bit more about their customer customer base. Um the research that I was referring to earlier is that you know we have a four-step process of how we you know move forward it's not you know unique to public relations it's a, it's a standard project management kind of process of research planning execution and evaluation and what we find is is in that process we get to the research phase and nobody wants to pay for the research <laughs> they all want to execution you know they want to go to yeah, execution
0: yeah. right away uh and sometimes you need to do that but um, when we they want to skip look- the boring steps, go straight to the fun ones and exactly, you know, nobody wants to lay the foundation. Everybody wants <laughs> to you know build the house. Yeah. And
1: so that research part is the foundation. So about 10 years ago, since uh, our focus is uh, literally New Mexico, uh, we hired a uh, started a relationship with a research firm in New Mexico to really kind of gauge who residents trust what industries they view as favorable, and how residents access news and information. And uh, my only regret from doing that kind of research, because we were able to identify 17 different industries, 15 different professions, and all the different types of news media, that one one regret is that I hadn't started that research 10 years earlier. Uh, Because the kind of information that we got from it helped us to identify, you know, people, you know, the demographic breakdown first of who likes
0: different industries, who's on the fence and who doesn't like it. Do you think that Uh, level or that depth of information would have been available 10 years ago? In some form
1: or fashion. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and the reason I, but you know, 10 years before that, I would not have been in a position to really understand
0: how to use that. Got it. Oh yeah, so it's like the the skills you've accumulated over the years kind of helped. Um, like that data just would have been like hieroglyphics to you back then, but exactly. now exactly it was it, you could decipher it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes in the when we start businesses, there's so much we don't know. Uh, and you know, at the time, I was in that research phase. I was like going, oh, you know, who needs research? You know, and then you know, we do some, you know. Uh, putting together our plans, and we realized, oh well, we really do need some research. Yeah. it's kind of like the blueprints, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, and so that really was a game changer for the company because for each of the 17 industries, we set a goal to have a client in each of those industries, uh, because now we had a tool, Ooh, nice, and now, and now 10 years of data as far as showing how their customer base has you know kind of ebbed and flowed uh with their opinions of the industry and uh you know whether it's uh you know the national labs uh who are here uh mining industries the renewable energy industry oil and gas uh you know they're those industries have really seen an ebb and flow of you know of how things are uh you know how people perceive them and we use that to really base our approach in you know really getting, reinforcing the message to those people who already like them and those who are on the fence, uh, we give them a reason to believe, uh, those who don't like a particular industry, we're not going to focus on because there's not enough budget in the world to really, you know, change people's
0: minds. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And now let's say you have this research done Mm -hmm. and you kind of have your strat, like you have your target audience and you have like how you want to go after them, how do you come up with that plan in the middle? How do you, the second step, I guess, how do you, how do you make a plan to reach the target audience effect? Like, you know where they hang out and you know who they are, but how do you get to them?
1: You know, that's, um, there's a step in there where we sit down with the client and it's, it's a game I call the headline game. And so, you know, I sit down and ask, I said, you know, what do you, what do you want the headlines to be in six months about your company? what do you want those headlines to be in a year and then in 5 years and that is very telling because it lets us know what types of tactics we need to deploy got it so if someone says okay in 6 months i want it to read um xyz company uh opens a new office okay so that tells me that you know they have ex- an expansion mind grow you know as mindset rather Uh, And if in a year it's where they're, you know, they might be talking about um, a specific product as opposed to, you know, opening another office, which tells us, okay, we need to be able to drill down a little bit more on really starting to create a narrative around this product. And then in five years, you know, it might be, you know, XYZ company is bought out by. Blank, <laughs> and so that's that tells us, yeah, they have that tra- you know, that uh, exit strategy.
0: Which so the is- headlines are almost like your milestones for gro- growth or wherever you want to go. Like you, your milestones are the headlines, and then you, then your job is to come up with the tactics to how do we get to there. Exactly, exactly,
1: and so that's that's the step that we'll really kind of put in there uh, to begin with to say, okay you know, this is how we're going to get from point A to point B. Well, we don't know where point B is. We know where point A, we know where we are now, but we don't know where you want to be six months from now. And so much time can be wasted when you try and guess what the client wants.
0: Just, just ask them. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good. (laughs) Say it. Yeah, that's very true. Um, And so what it plans usually don't go according to plan, but when something kind of falls into place, what, how does that feel? What's that Uh, like? Amazing. And it it's just like when every when everything hits, uh it's just like it's like butter, yeah, <laughs> it's like you're solving a puzzle, but the pieces are constantly moving, and I feel like once you finally put them together though, you're like, yes, I did it,
1: yeah, you know we we have had some really good some really good successes where we've you know I can say that we've gone in and we've helped a company either address a community need. Uh, and, uh, or, uh, we just helped a client recently who, uh, was part of a, a a pretty significant sale. We helped to rebuild their brand over a course of Mm. five years. And as a result, they were able to, um, you know, have something that was worth, uh, you know, selling from a brand perspective. They already had a great product. We just needed to rebrand it and stuff. But, uh, and so those types of
0: things, there's a lot of you know wow it all kind of worked. Do <laughs> you have one yeah. that stands to mind for like your your favorite win or not a favorite customer but like a favorite kind of success story within your customers.
1: Oh wow uh you know I there's uh the work that we have done with balloon Fiat the Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta uh is one of those long-term client projects that for me it is just has a lot of satisfaction because we've, you know, working with the client because, you know, we, you can promote something, but you have to have a, a, a good product or a great product to promote. And so, you know, through the years, you know, we started working on just the media relations aspect and, you know, and so literally starting off with them and promoting the event as, you know, Albuquerque is the, you know, home for ballooning uh and really starting to attract a lot of media attention uh that just focused on you know how great albuquerque is for ballooning and cuz that has a ripple effect of how it not just impacts and benefits the event because it's a it's a great 9-day event in the first 9 days of october but it helps that ripple effect is is that it helps small business it helps brings uh, tourists
0: it brings, brings more people to come
1: checking it out yeah yeah you got restaurants that benefit hoteliers who benefit. you have museums who benefit folks who actually have no connection whatsoever, <laughs> yeah, uh yeah, yeah, the locals will always complain about, oh, it gets the traffic here it's just incredible, you know, every October, but you know, um it's just during certain times of day and it's usually yeah. when they're not out anyway uh and stuff, but yeah, so it's it's literally looking at that body of work that we've done with the event over the years and seeing how many others have benefited is good. But we've also, you know, the longer you work with a group or an organization, the more trust you build. And so that's allowed us to go in and help them shape the customer experience in a lot of different areas. Uh, because oh,
0: so similar to the towns, it's like a ripple effect, like what you guys are doing are helping different areas of their business that normally don't talk to PR, but here, mm-hmm. like here, the positive benefits are going. Exactly.
1: Exactly, and one of the one of the gifts that our team has is the ability to read the room, and so we go in and we can say, "Oh my gosh, you know, we need to, you know, take care of you know X, Y, and Z." Uh, as far as you know, we we'll see sometimes what the client can't see or what the client doesn't want to acknowledge and so you know coming in and just being that truth teller is is really it's a it's a gift that we have that our team has really done over the years to help our clients uh and it's this it's sometimes it's the really small things right uh and uh but sometimes the small things is what will trip you up yeah I mean, you know i mean i i uh you know i do a lot of running a lot of athletics and stuff and you know, if i have a little pebble in my shoe Goodness, that that is just gonna it's gonna take my mind that small, off. That
0: everything. small thing will trip you up. It will, <laughs> absolutely will. <laughs> what makes your what makes your team good at that, or what what could make anyone good at kind of perceiving what's not really said? Um, you know,
1: a lot of times it's just listening and watching, and you know, I think that in some aspects, there's some stuff that that can definitely be learned. Uh, you know, like writing, you can, you can learn how to write, uh, Mm -hmm. but you also will have a passion for writing. And so if you don't have a passion for writing, you know how to write, that's great, but you have to have a passion for it as well. And, uh, or a natural gift for it. And I think that when, you know, when bringing on our team members, you know, I ask them, you know, questions, you know, like, okay, you know, what, what is, you know, what are the perceptual issues with, with a certain client or with a certain company in town? And they'll say, well, here's what I think. And, you know, if they, if they share something that is only, you know, that's very perceptive, then that means, okay, they know how to read a room and stuff. And so, uh, you know, oftentimes it's just literally watching and listening it's like being a, a crime scene investigator before the crime scene investiga- investigation is needed yeah uh, and you just kind of look and watch and you see if somebody tenses up you know you look for the folded arms uh you know you look for the people who are literally you know going from you know group to group to group and you go okay why are they moving from group to group to group well because they're just a very social person but you know sometimes if they move from group to group to group um, it's because there's something else. It's like, they're not finding a connection there. And so at that point uh, I might go in or one of our team members will go in. We'll just kind of listen to the conversation and we'll hear what's happening there that could have, you know, excluded that person from that discussion. But, um, but yeah, so we'll just do a lot of listening and a lot of watching and, uh, and then we'll, you know, come back and we'll just usually call call stuff out. And the client really appreciates it. They go, oh my gosh, how did you know that? And it's just <laughs> like, well, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the gray hair means something. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> um. All right. Sweet. Yeah, that's a really helpful tip. And that's definitely a skill that I've wanted to get better at and wanted to... Yeah, I, I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that like what is said is... Oftentimes, not what's meant, like paying attention to those vocal tonalities or the body language or the the different things, the, the different ways we communicate. I, it's always like fascinated me, honestly, since a young, like I remember being middle school, high school reading uh, the first time I ever read a book on body language. And it made me realize that so much of how we communicate is not the actual words themselves. But the I don't know, there's just like a lot of hidden meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Uh, what what about, let's talk, uh, switch a little bit to your habits. Do you have a set of habits or routines that you stick to daily?
1: I do. I do have a couple of uh, habits and routines. Um, you know, I'm uh, usually training for a race or, you know, some kind of event. Uh, and so there's usually some training, but the, you know, uh, tragically or brilliantly each day, I start off by going making some coffee getting ready uh i have a quiet time each morning uh where you know i really kind of you know use as a place to kind of set my day uh yeah and and stuff and then uh, i go and i change and i go out and run uh or i bike or i swim whatever the training regimen is for that particular day uh, right now i'm training for the new york city marathon that is nice. going to be in uh, this november and so i think it's i'm in week number four of training and uh but you know, I found that running and is really something that helps to clear my mind and to, you know, and it's a great habit for me to kind of use to kind of reset the stress level, so to speak. Not that there's stress that early in the morning, but that that <laughs> unless there's certain client no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, you know, so those are the kind of habits that I get into and you know, it really uh started um, gosh, about, I'd say 12 years ago when I went into the doctor's office and the doctor said, okay, you know, here's the deal. You're, um, hypertensive, uh, your heart rate is through the roof. You're pre-diabetic. Um, what are we going to do? And you're overweight by the way. And I said, okay, great. (laughs) And she goes, what are you going to do to change that? And I was like going, well, um, I don't know. And she goes, I, well, we can address this medically or you can, address it by way of, uh, of just going out and getting some exercise. And so I started, I was like, going, Oh, I like the exercise version. And so I joined up with a group called team and training, uh, through the leukemia and lymphoma society. And they actually had a program where, you know, they, you do fundraising for them and they provide a marathon coach. And so I went out and I joined that program and there was a two mile run was the introductory run. And it was like, From one point in Albuquerque down to the river and back up. And I'll tell you, at the end of that two miles, I thought I was going to die. And I was like going, oh, my gosh, this is going to be horrendous. What did I sign up for? But the encouragement that was there was just fantastic. Everybody was talking about, uh, you know, who they're running for and why they're running. And, you know, Simon Sinek, you know, what's your why, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is such a powerful question. And uh, and it's always going to get something from a runner or a cyclist or a swimmer. You ask them, why do you do it? And you will get a different answer each time. And so everybody's running for somebody. And they said, who are you running for? And I said, oh, I don't know. My heart. So Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I got on Facebook that night and uh, I was like, going, I got to find somebody to run for, you know? <laughs> And so all of a sudden I came across a friend from high school uh, who was starting um, treatment for leukemia that next day. And so I reached out to him, we chatted and I said, Hey, tell you what I said, "Um, I will dedicate my runs and my training to you because I'm going to be training about the same time that you're going to be in the chemo uh, chair. Oh, wow. And he goes, that'd be fantastic. He says, and I'll pray for you during the running. I said, that's great. Uh, and so we had that understanding. His name's Pete. He's doing well. Uh, nice. And he's a great high school friend. And there's a whole group of us who are still all very close. You still uh, keep after up. All those... What's that?
0: You still keep up with your high school friends?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, I just awesome. went to my 40th high school reunion. Wow. That what was, was that weird. like?
0: That was weird. I'm sure that was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I I, mean, I love that though. I still hang out with my my closest friends are the friends that I made in high school, and it's. Like, I, it makes me happy to see someone who still hangs out with them after the 40-year reunion because I'm like, these, there are certain people you meet where I really enjoy their company, but I'm also like, this is probably a temporary friendship. And there are some people where it's like, I can't imagine not having you in my life. And that's how it is with my high school friends. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I actually ended up running three marathons for Pete. And uh you know, I sent what I do is is I, sit, I finish the race and I get the medal, and I put their name on the back with my time, and I will send him the medal. And so I sent, sent him three medals, and each time I said, "I promise next time I'll run faster." <laughs> but uh, and it turns out that he went ahead and used those as a way to share with kids that he was uh, working with in the high school uh, groups and stuff to basically talk about motivate them. And so that got me motivated to go run for more people. And so I ended up starting a a program called One Metal. And One Metal is an affinity running program where I encourage other people, you know, runners and athletes to run for others. And so, you know, it it took off for a time and then, you know, COVID hit and other things hit. And it was like everybody kind of got distracted, but we're in the process of bringing it back. And, uh, so there are just a lot of great stories that I've had a chance to share because I love telling stories, uh, over on, uh, one metal.com. And it's just, it's, uh, it's something that helps me kind of, you know, it's a routine that really helps me to get into, uh, health and fitness, but know that it's not about me. It's, a, it's really about somebody else. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's something that helps me to stay focused on, you know running for someone
0: that is uh, one first of all onemetal.com we will throw that in the show notes below anyone wants to check that out that is i uh, like so awesome that you this one thing that originally started for you to get healthy as an as a added bonus and motivation you it, it got you closer to your friend, you dedicate the runs to your friends, and then you ended up seeing the effect that it had not on, not just on him, but like how he affected other people and you turned it into a whole like community almost. And that's, yeah, that's such an awesome way of giving back. I, yeah, yeah that's so cool.
1: Thanks. It, it's, it's humbling. It's uh, to, you know, to kind of see how things kind of just get it. Sometimes just take a life of their own.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it is did it like did you ever you didn't plan on this at all right it just kind of happened
1: oh yeah yeah well um so I was uh leukemia lymphoma society team and training great program I've also run for other programs I do a lot of running for team world vision uh Mm -hmm. which is uh which is a a great uh group as well uh but sometimes I, I would hear out running with friends and they'd say, you know, I, I would love to do it, but I just don't have the money to you know, donate right now, or I don't have the time to do fundraising. And I, so that's really what started up one metal is because I don't think uh, encouragement should have no cost. And so I said, tell you what, encouragement has no cost. Neither does one metal, just run for someone and then share your story on the website. And, uh, you know, so, and if you feel like doing fundraising or, you know, goal raising with another organization, go for it. It, That's great. I said, but you know, if you really want to just run for someone, you know, run for them. And if you want to have a medal, uh, then, you know, give them the race medal or give them the race bib or give them a word of encouragement. Uh, and so, you know, my brother who lives in uh, Tarzana, I, I was talking to him about it and I said, you know, I want to have some kind of medal that I can give people, When they, you know, finish a race, because sometimes, you know, some medals are really cool, right? You finish the race, you go, I don't know if I really want to give this medal away. I have three medals, I've finished a lot of different races, and I have three medals in my, uh, in my house, but all the others are gone. And I love it. But so my brother created these wooden one medal medals. Um, which are, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to give out to those who, you know, finish a race. They have something that they can give to someone if they don't want to part with yeah.
0: the medal. That's yeah. I, I can imagine. I've seen some like the, uh, what was the, the rock and roll marathon one? Yeah. That one yeah. is a really cool medal. And then, and, and it does make sense. Yeah. How sometimes it's, um, it's not even the, the race itself or the memories, like you want to give it away, but you're like, ah, oh, this is just so cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Actually, um, San
1: Diego Rock and Roll was my very first marathon. Really? Yeah,
0: that's sweet. So, how many have you done since?
1: Uh, gosh, let me see. I've done uh nine marathons. New York will be my tenth. Nice. Uh, I've done an Ironman up in Wisconsin. I've done four half Ironmans. Last June, I did the Black Hills fifty mile, and uh, a trail any- an
0: ultra marathon.
1: It is. Yeah. I've done uh four ultras. Nice. And uh only one fifty mile distance. I've not <laughs> that is just a long day right there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so it's just it's been a lot of fun to do all of those and uh and to give the medals away and to tell the stories and to hear the stories of those people who I'm running for. But but yeah, it's uh it it is uh its it has been a fun journey and it's a great way to reduce uh, the stress levels
0: a little bit too. Yeah. Do you, does, do you run when you're stressed or does running help keep your stress down? Uh, running helps keep my stress
1: down, but sometimes I just, you know, it's like preventative medicine. Yeah. Uh, if I'm sense. running and getting, cause you know, we do a lot of stuff, you know, sitting in front of a computer or sitting having a conversation. So working it into my daily routine is kind of like that pressure valve, when life starts to get kind of hectic it's like okay
0: i gotta go out and get my run in. that makes sense uh yeah that is also something i've felt is my my stress i can often correlate i don't i won't know that i'm stressed in the moment like i will but it's not going to be super present but when i take a look at my desk and it's messy and i take a look at my mornings and i'm not going to the gym i'm like okay there's there's some sort of correlation here i gotta reorganize hit the gym and then generally i feel 10 times better afterwards
1: yes most definitely
0: what about so you said you like to do a little bit of gardening and some outdoor stuff what uh you, yeah. you said you had some, some good plants today. What what happened there? I do. Yeah. I it, Typically I, I don't have a green
1: thumb, so it takes, you know, I, I learn a lot, you know, from yeah. my friends and I talk to them, what works? Why is this like turning? And my oldest daughter is just a green thumb, like nobody's business. And so I have a, uh, a, 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 plant that I call pep, uh, which is a red pepper plant. And, uh, and right now it is in full bloom and uh, and so I'm really excited about that. And then the other is a flower that I picked up at the uh, farmer's market here in Los Ranchos uh, de Albuquerque, where I live. And it is called chocolate flower. And it is in kind of is my it tasty.
0: Front...
1: <laughs> it smells just like chocolate.
0: Wow. I'll tell you what, That's I sick. finish
1: my runs and I sit down next to it and it only blossoms in the morning. And then in in the mid-morning, all the flowers, the petals start to, you know, collapse on each other. And so it's like a sunflower in a way, but it just emits this great smell of chocolate and zero calories.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All the enjoyment, none of the post-run, ah, dang, why did I have chocolate? Exactly. Exactly. So those those are kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I don't want to look up that flower because I I – pretty curious how it just only blossoms in the morning. Why, why is that? I don't know. There
1: are, there are smarter minds than mine who know that exact reason are yelling at their phone or whatever they're listening to your podcast on. They're saying the answer. And so
0: (laughs) (laughs) smarter minds, if you want to come on, let me know. Um, I, and then, so gardening was one thing and What about photography? You mentioned you also like photography and you like to take your own photos, uh, especially for the advertising and stuff. But yeah, photography.
1: Yeah. You know, I love landscapes. Uh, And so, you know, one of the great things of living in New Mexico is, you know, are the views and the clear blue skies. And uh, so I'll be out running or hiking uh, up in the mountains. And, you know, I just it, you know, you can you can take a picture to capture a moment. And so I love to capture moments and, you know, I'll just go back and look through and go, you know, that was, that was really a good moment right there. As far as like, whether it be a view of the Rio Grande Valley, uh, or a view from the top of Sandia peak or up in the Sangre de Cristos, uh, you know, it's, there are a lot of different places that I love being that are, you know, much more to me anyway, appealing than food. I love food, but I love to consume, not take pictures of the food, mm. but I love now, sometimes now I will take that back unless I totally <laughs> kill it. And then I'll take it. I might text it to some friends and stuff, yeah. <laughs> say, Hey, look, look at this barbecue success story or barbecue fail, <laughs> which is more often the case. It's like, what, what happened here? You know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love, I love, you know, capturing pictures on my, uh, on my phone and just, um, you know, posting them on my Instagram or, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll be featured in a client publication as nice. well. Nice. Do you ever yeah. frame them
0: like personally just to have? Um,
1: I haven't actually. That's a great idea. I, I did put a bunch of, one uh, in gosh, let me see, about eight years ago. Uh, I was really taking a lot of pictures while I was running. And so I was doing a lot of races during that time. And so I, I put all those pictures into a book, you know, the ones that you can just make online. Yeah. And I gave them as uh, holiday gifts and uh, it was called 50 shades of purple. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clever and title. Because it was like, I'm a big TCU go frogs, uh, you know, TCU fan, but you know, more importantly, purple is a great color. And so the New Mexico skies, when it's always in transition from sun, you know, from uh, night to day, you'll have these great, oranges and purples. And uh, the same with the sunsets as well. And so it was a book like that. And I gave it to uh, my daughters and my
0: mom and
1: my brother and sister.
0: That's, yeah, that's really, I would love to see a copy of that, at least some of the photos. That sounds really cool. Oh, you um, I've never been a, a photographer myself. So I've always had a great respect for people who, it's the, the way that you can just capture these images. Like the way I see it, in mm. the way I take the photo usually doesn't end up the same, and I've always wanted to have that skill. So that's uh, yeah, that's really cool. Thanks, um, thanks. All right, Tom, thanks for coming on. Now I have just a few final questions. We can we can plug your stuff away, and then okay. yeah, we'll we'll be good. Um, but what kind of music do you listen to? You
1: know, I will listen to a variety of Americana, uh, contemporary Christian, seventies rock. Uh, the band's the band that is like catching my attention right now, they might have been around for a while, but I just kind of stumbled across them on uh, Sirius XM. It's called The Red Hill Valleys.
0: The Red Hill and, Valleys.
1: And I'll tell you what, it is uh, it is classic Americana, Canadian Americana, and it is just easy listening and stuff. It's really good stuff. And then um, my youngest daughter put me on to Chris Rensma, uh, who is uh, a contemporary Christian artist. I didn't know that at the time. I was like, oh, no, he's kind of in that same Americana group. And Casey said, oh, dad. Go, okay, okay. But yeah, so that's the music that I enjoy. Some of the that's artists.
0: Sweet. Yeah, I always like asking these questions because I, I always love new music, um, just new music ideas. Uh, same with TV shows. What kind of TV shows or movies have you been watching lately?
1: Uh, all over the place you know of course new mexico being the home of uh breaking bad
0: yeah uh, you that's know
1: true. i uh better call saul right now is at the top of my list it's just like great television in my opinion uh but i also enjoy uh blue bloods and then star trek you know it was my generation's show yeah uh, i love star trek discovery it was the the second to last one that they just did and uh, so that's what i love watching
0: yeah and New Mexico PBS, let's not forget. Oh, yes,
1: of course. New Mexico PBS. <laughs> New Mexico Check PBS. it out this
0: weekend. <laughs> um, what about any books you're reading? Uh,
1: you know, usually anything by the author John Ortberg is really good. Um, you know, I Book Yourself Solid uh is uh is a book that uh has been really uh great for me. A river runs through it. Um and then Jimmy Buffett, he actually has this great mindless fun book. I shouldn't say mindless because people might think it's a derogatory. It's not. It's called A Salty Piece of the Earth. It is a great list. I I do a lot of mine on books on tape and it is a great listen, Uh, but it's Salty Piece of the Earth by Jimmy Buffett. Um, Yeah.
0: And then Ireland. um, Yeah. So yeah, all that stuff. That's good stuff. And finally, where can people find you?
1: Uh, You know, gosh, let me see. This is the plug part, right? Um, <laughs> no. Um, people can find me online. My personal Instagram is at Tom Garrity. Uh, my uh, uh, Twitter is Tom underscore Garrity. And of course, the website is uh, garitypr.com.
0: Sweet. I'll make sure to add all of those in the show notes. Tom, thank you very much for coming. This was a great conversation.
1: Thanks, Armand.